take over doubt, we gon' make it Show the world that I shine in our greatness Keep it real, never gon' fake this Till we make it, till we make it Taking off, flying high like a spaceship Take control, take a shot Alright, welcome back everybody This is Danny with Shake the Earth Podcast I appreciate you listening to us We've got a special guest on Jeanette Bennett She is the founder, CEO, editor-in-chief There's too many actual titles that go on to her name um, we print a lot of magazines. You do a lot of magazines. She's the founder of U- Utah Valley Magazine. And that's really just one of the many things that you do. Yeah, it's a busy life. It's a fun life. I grew up in Idaho around farms, and I feel like I grow words. That's what I do. I harvest stories. <laughs> You've been doing it for how long? Uh, I've owned this business. I started this business, this magazine business, 18 years ago. You started it, though. I did. You didn't buy mm-hmm. it. No, I was 25 years old. And... Um, had this crazy thought that this was to be my path. And honestly, I probably wouldn't have, except that I became a mom. Okay. And when I became a mom, my son is 20 now, my, my mind changed, my goals changed, and I wanted to be more in control of my schedule. And uh, I love to work, but I also really wanted to be a good mom. And that's when I started thinking like an entrepreneur. Before that, do you think of yourself as an entrepreneur? Like not really. In, in the Mm-mm. traditional sense of like, hey, I want to go out and take risk and I want to build a big business. No, not necessarily. I went to school to study journalism. So I got my bachelor's and master's in journalism. And I minored in business only because I thought I might write about it. I wanted to maybe really? write for Inc. Magazine or Forbes or Fortune. I didn't see myself starting a business. But when I became a mom, it was like all of a sudden my goals changed and I saw that as a great path for women and for me. Did you kind of feel forced into it? No, I mean, I chose it. I, I had a job at uh, the Deseret News. I had a good newspaper job. I was doing well and being as a promoted. Reporter? I was an editor okay. and loving it. And then when he was born, they were expecting me to come back and I wasn't sure. When I left, I, I told them I would, but I knew in my heart of hearts I wasn't sure. And then during that process, during those six weeks of trying to decide, I just knew I had a different path and it was gonna involve starting my own company. And I was super (laughs) excited about it because I saw all the positives, I saw all the things it could bring into my life. I didn't know all the challenges I'd face and that's a good thing probably. You probably Um, wouldn't have done it if you knew. At least that's how it was for me starting my Mm -hmm. first business. I would have been definitely more nervous. I also didn't know other people had started similar publications and they'd failed. And I'm glad I didn't know that because I felt like I had this new idea and this new market that I was going to explore. And then when I found out other people had failed, that was hard to hear, but I was already started. I was already on my way. So by that point I was like, no, no, there's no option. Success. That's what we're doing here. (laughs) We're going to make this work. So you have, you have, you have a really, really unique perspective. And that's why I, I thought of you to to have you come on because you are an entrepreneur at at heart, a successful entrepreneur. Oh, thank you. And you also, because of the nature of your business, you also get to work with really, really interesting people, business owners, entertainers, Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. really movers and shakers. And and if you look at it, a lot of you, our listeners are not from Utah. A lot of them are, but Utah Valley Magazine is a is a major publication here in Utah, and that's your you. that's your publication. That is, and our business magazine too. And so that is my favorite part about what I do is sitting down with people who have been successful at something or another. Like you mentioned, entrepreneurs, athletes, musicians, teachers, parents, and I get to ask the questions that I think my readers will want to know. But I also ask things I want to know. And so it's been two decades of personal development for me to be around these people and learn how it worked for them and learn about their challenges and solutions. Yeah. And so it's just continually refined my perspectives and widened my scope of what's possible. So that that has been a huge, huge part of what I've loved about running a business is, is learning from other business owners and learning that, you know, 
nobody's really an overnight success. Yeah. Uh, nobody knows everything. I love that you just said that because we've gone over several times in, a, on our, in our podcast that there is no such thing as overnight success. You're, you're talking, you've been in the business for 20 plus years. It, I guarantee you many of those years or many of those days have been in the dark. You're wondering how business is going to go, what's going to happen with technology and media right. and mm-hmm. apps and how people consume content, mm-hmm. I'm sure. I'm still there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's never like you're at the top of the mountain and you say, okay, there's no more mountains. I get to sit at the top of this one forever as a yeah. success. You and, and my definition of success has changed through the years of what is it that makes me feel successful? You know, what, what size of company, what, what uh, income, what, um, you know, what quality of life? You know, at times in my life, I've been totally fine working 60 hours a week. Other times, I don't want to do that. Yeah. That's not success to me. <laughs> success to me is a little more balance. And so my definition has changed as my family's changed, as I've changed, and as I've learned more and refined what it is I'm going for. It's it's ebbed and flowed, and I've loved that. And I've loved to talk to other people about their evolution as well. It's really instructive. Well, you're, you're super big, and so are we, on empowering women and, right. like, making sure that women know their their great role and their need in business in entertainment Absolutely. in athletics mm-hmm. in just really setting an example for the generations mm-hmm. you know below them um, what are some of the things that you're doing now with that effort I do feel passionate about it and part of it is when I was in uh, college and doing that business minor I was going to lectures and different series of speakers and I don't remember a woman coming in there, there might have been one, but I don't remember. I don't remember seeing a woman going, that's the life I want. She has a family. She has a business. And so I feel a desire to, not that I'm a perfect example and not that everyone would want my life, but but I feel like I want to go out there and, and talk to the girls and, and explain to them, have dreams. Have dreams in lots of different categories. Don't limit yourself. And that there are resources and there are mentors and there are opportunities for you. You don't have to to choose business over family or vice versa. These things can coincide. Not that it's easy and not that there won't be sacrifices, but it's okay. It's it's preferable to have a lot of big dreams for your life. And, and so I love to do that. And it's interesting because whenever I speak on a college campus, what I find is that the young men in the audience, or you know, they don't have to be young, the men in the audience will ask questions in front of the crowd when I'm done, you know, and it, a lot of it's business related. The women line up after to talk to me one on one. Why is and that? Like why? Like I, I, uh, I, that reminds me of we had Megan Brown and we had uh, Summer Harris, both business owners, both like awesome. incredible mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. The, the, both of them on separate occasions said, I, "We went to the bank to get loans, and they wanted our husbands on the note, and they wanted to be able to prove that our husbands were okay with this." And I'm thinking. How is that? Like, Crazy. and I think that has to do with what you just said of like women are afraid to to step out because maybe they're they're tired of being told no. Like, I think or that's being part held of it. down sometimes. I think that's part of it. I think also each each woman who who stays to ask me questions, she thinks her situation's unique, in, in that she's like, I don't know, I just have all these dreams of education and a career, and then and she thinks that other girls don't feel the way she does, but then the next girl has the same question, and so I think they don't ask it in front of everyone because they feel a little embarrassed or or I don't, I'm not exactly sure what, but we women are more alike than we think. 
Yeah. You know, we, I think most of us have dreams and visions of, of doing something with our talents and, and our opportunities and seeing how far we can go. And yet many of us want to have a family as well. And so we're, we're trying to figure out how do those fit together? Well, they fit together better than they ever have before, thanks to technology, yeah. thanks to new business models, social media. There's a lot of opportunity for women and flexibility too which is what they, we really desire. Really, they can have their key cake and eat it too. Like, they especially really now, can. there's so many opportunities for, for women to make an impact mm -hmm. on their families mm -hmm. financially, but also have kind of that need to fill a, a creative purpose or, or a, a fulfillment like that. Absolutely. And so for me, that's been an important part of, of who I am. And uh, You're very outspoken about it, which is awesome. I, I follow oh, you, I follow you, you on Instagram. You're constantly motivating. You were just recently at a... I don't know what it was, a, a conference of some sort where you were speaking with, with other women and, and yes. uh, motivating. I, you know, I, I do that a lot and I enjoy that and uh, I enjoy the camaraderie I feel with the other women, but also the, the next generation of young women. I want them to have some examples, some, some things to look towards that like, this is doable. You know, um, people often ask about balance. That's a hard word. I don't, I don't really love the word other than my definition of it has become, if I have a family and a personal life I love and a career I love, that's balance. That's your me. balance. Yeah. That doesn't mean my laundry's always folded, you yeah. know. It doesn't mean everything's perfect, but just that I have my two halves of my life, my two favorite things, that I love them both and I'm able to do them both. That's great. That to me that's balance. That's what I'm going for. That's how I'm saying my definition of success has changed a little bit because it, that's what it's become. Is just am I happy? Am I loving the the things that I've chosen to put in my life? And I am. And so that to me is is really success. Well, you're, you're doing some incredible things. And I, I'm, again, I follow you on social media. I, I see all the, the, the good that you're doing. Oh, and I think you. it's a perfect example for, you know, my girls, I have two girls and I want them to see their dad providing opportunities for people to work, to have opportunities for other women to work and create and, and create things. Mm -hmm. Really, that's, that's really what it's about. People have this need to create. I agree, and, absolutely. And uh, whatever it might be. We're wired that way, we yeah. like to create. Yeah, one of the phrases that I have tried to banish uh, is when we say to girls, you should get an education just in case. The worst thing you can say. Never say, say that. Yeah. Don't, because that tells a girl, I hope you never have to be smart. I hope you never need this. I hope that, you know, someone else always takes care of you. And you never have to learn anything. That is so far off base of what will make her happy. Yeah. Yes, get an education. Yes, get experiences. Yes, travel. Yes, do whatever you just want to do. Not just in case, but because you are a fantastic human with just enormous potential that you don't want to, you don't want to leave on the table. You know, you want to explore all of those dreams that you have. That's, I love that. I love that. Part of your, what you do mm -hmm. is you, you meet with all sorts of people, athletic yes. directors, musicians, entertainers, entrepreneurs. There has to be a common denominator that you see in, in people. Maybe it's, maybe it's just a general drive for passion, mm -hmm. or maybe it's a, a need for fulfillment in, in their creative, uh, you know, juices, whatever it might mm -hmm. be. But what, what is, what's a common denominator, denominator that you see amongst all these people? I'm talking, you know, over 20 years, you've talked to a lot of people. Yes, it's been, it's been really, really fun. And there are common denominators. You just listed a lot of them. Uh, they are very happy. They love what they've chosen. You know, one of my favorite starts to an interview, I was interviewing this, this man who had started multiple restaurants. And so I'm there featuring him as a serial entrepreneur in that industry. And I started off by saying, what made you want to start a restaurant? 
And he looked at me and he said, well, everybody wants to start a restaurant. <laughs> and I said back to him, no, everyone wants to start a magazine, obviously. And he was so passionate about what he was doing, and so am I, that we just couldn't imagine that, that people weren't just wishing they were us. You know? And it's that kind of passion, loving what you've chosen, that will lead to success. You know, if you just think you have just found the most amazing career industry, then you're going to succeed at it. Positivity is another huge one. It's huge. And, and you know, I've, I'm reminded of that every year. I do an article every May on high school students who will change the world. Mm. And so I pick one high schooler from each high school in the, in the area and have them come in. And they're going to change the world in various ways. I'm not just picking student body presidents, and I'm not just picking perfect ACT scores. There are some of those. Um, but I have athletes, I have musicians, and they come in with different personalities for sure. And some of them are more outgoing and some are not. But um, when I ask them about their school, they all basically say the same thing because they say, oh, I go to the best school. We have the best school spirit, the best teachers. There's no cliques. It's just such a happy, happy school. Well. High schools are different. If you look at them statistically, they're not all the same. Mm -hmm. But because these students feel like they are in the best situation with the best teachers and best students, they are going to change the world. They put themselves in control. They do, yeah. yeah. And they see the best in, in what's around them. And so the people who believe they, they've put together the best team, this, there's never been a better time than this year for what they're doing. Uh, they speak positively about the economy. Um, if they see the positives around them, they're gonna succeed. People are attracted to that positivity. Mm -hmm. We wanna be around someone who sees the best and sees potential and has a vision. Well, that all comes from being positive and seeing what's... How does, how does someone as young as a high schooler kind of have that, it's almost like a, it's a long-term view on things. Like, how right. do, is that something you think people can learn? I do think they can learn. I think our environment affects us a lot. I think about our children. If they hear us coming yeah. home from work, church, family reunions, and if our comments are, well, this person drove me crazy, and this was annoying, and it was hot, they're going to speak that way as well, because they think, oh, that's what a conversation is like, you know. But if we're always speaking positively, and they see us speaking positively, treating other people positively, they see that as normal. And so I think as parents, it is our responsibility to help them see that. Now, some, I think, do think some kids come they come <laughs> to down this here world, with that. you know, a little more positive than others. But I do think we can train ourselves. And I went through this experience. I interviewed someone named Hillary Weeks who was talking about positive thinking. And she had a clicker where she was counting first her negative thoughts. And then the next week she counted positive thoughts and found that whatever she counted increased. So she gave me a clicker and I started counting my positive thoughts and, and they grew. You know, so if you're more, if you're made aware of when you're having them, you yes. tend to have more. You tend to have more. Yeah. Instead of thinking, oh, this, this light stays red way too long and do it's you, way too Do you too think hot. that's the same? Cause you, you did a Ted talk. Do you mm -hmm. think that's the same as smiling? Definitely closely related. Yes. Yes. So yeah. Cause in the my numbers TED you talk, share on the, on the smiling were staggering. It's kind of sad. It is sad. So on the Ted talk, I talked about how children on average on a day, they smile over 260 times. It's just a natural a thing for them. A day, yes. And so um, they are looking for the good, and they see the good in themselves and others, and they're just excited. When you said that, I, I immediately went back to my five-year-old, and I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah. You think my, that's true? My June, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay. And I love that about her. Mm -hmm. But right. then but something happens when they get older. Something happens. So then adult women smile on average a day 60-ish times. And then adult men eight times per day. I'm smiling right now. Yes, so you I, are. I have, you at, have at least <laughs> one 
one, at least one for my eight. Right. And there's different personality types. So, you know, of course, some people are just more um, gregarious. They might smile more. But I think in general, that is true that as children, we just have freer spirits. Things make us happier, easier. Things weigh us down less. And then as we get older, we let things. It's a choice. We let things weigh us down a little bit more. And, um, and we're not as kind to ourselves or the other people in our lives. And so, hence the smiling statistics going down. But it's a choice. We can defile this. I hope everyone listening says that's not going to be me. What do you think the impact is on social media with that? Mm. Kind of, kind of a, a debate going on right now with is 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 social media reflecting what the reality is, or is you know the reality reflected on social media? Right. You know? It's so interesting. People are. People are all over the board on social media. You know, I have someone in my life who who posts a lot of negative things on there. Just, you know, never gets enough sleep and the kids are always sick. And, you know, it's, it's really painful to follow that type of person because it's not uplifting at all. And then you have the people that every day is the most amazing day. And, Which and they, not real, they always, right? it's not real. They always look like a million dollars and their kitchen never has a dish out of place. Uh, one thing I have noticed on my social media is when I do get real, when I post something, not necessarily negative, but something that's like, this was real. You know, I, I stayed at work too long. By the time we got to the lake, you know, it was cold. And, but we, anyway, I, I, I'm talking about a particular post I did about this when um, my day didn't turn out as planned. That's when I get the most likes and the most comments. Not that I'm making this a contest, yeah, yeah. but I've just noticed people relate to that. You know, people relate to real, right? And they can, I think people now can really, they can sniff out what's authentic and what's mm -hmm. not, just like you could with an ad, right? Absolutely. And we gravitate to that realness, that vulnerability. Uh, the first day of school this past year, so I've, I've been a mom for 20 years. It was the first day all my kids were in school all day. And when I arrived at work that morning, I sprawled out on the floor. I had a giant soda in my hand. This is before <laughs> my, my health journey began. And uh, sprawled out, and one of my coworkers took a picture of me. I was doing it kind of to be funny, but I actually had envisioned this in my, in my life. Like, someday I'm gonna get to that point where I have six hours a day um, when they're in school. And I posted that, and that resonated with people. You know, I, I wasn't complaining about being a mom, because yeah. I love being a mom, yeah. but I had reached a finish line of sorts, and, and women can relate to that, you yeah. know, getting your kids in school. And so I found that, you know, if I put a pretty selfie of myself on there, that's not gonna resonate as well as me just saying, hey, this is real, this this is funny, this is this is kind of what happened today. Because most people can't, re they can't resonate with something fake. No, you know, like it doesn't feel most good. people have no idea what that's like to, right. to have everything perfect. Mm -hmm. no that's one not does. real. Nobody does. No one does. Nobody does. What I found with, you know, so I interviewed a lot of successful people, successful with bank accounts, but also just in refining their talents, just a variety of ways. And it's not that they haven't had challenges. Yeah. That's the one thing I want to talk about because oftentimes we think, Hey, this guy's a superstar athlete, mm -hmm. man. It must be, it must be nice to have all of his talents immediately and be able to right. go in the NFL and do this, mm -hmm. whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. That is not the case either. No. Right. So you, you probably get to hear a lot of the struggles and mm -hmm. the, the trials that people go through. So my favorite interviews are people who are a little bit further down the path in life and they can look back at the chapters of their lives, the layers of their life, and see the lessons learned and see progress in themselves. 
and and uh, they can look at maybe that year that was really, really hard, and they can talk about it because now they've said, this is what I learned, and this is why I'm grateful for what I am going through now, or I never would have, like for example, Stephen Covey, who Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he talked about, when I said, what's been like the best chapter of your life? You're an author, let's talk about the chapters of your life. He said when he was a child, he was on crutches for three years, uh, for bone deterioration. He was an athlete, like his sons and grandsons, but that switched him into academic focus and switched the course of his life. So he says, now when I look back at what was a really hard, hard time, I can see the wisdom in it and how it has ended up helping me. It was monumental in shaping his yes, future. shaping his focus. And so that's what I'm talking about when I interview those people that can look back and say, you know, what I thought was actually the worst thing that ever happened, mm-hmm. here's what actually it did for me. And when they can process that and talk about it, that's a great interview. That's a great story to read or a video to watch or podcast to listen to because uh, we all need to process the things that are happening in our lives and, and decide what we're going to do with that fuel, you know, that fuel of things that didn't go well or things that do go well. You know, either way, we have choices to make with what that's going to do for us and what, what the next step is after that. Now that we've learned this lesson, Maybe it was a super hard one, but now that we've learned it, what are we going to do now? And those are the people I admire the most. And what I found is almost without exception, every successful person has those things in their past that didn't go well. Something went wrong with their family. Um, Financially, they had a setback. Physically, um, education-wise, didn't make a team, you know, whatever it was. And that that really propels them. Those make the great stories. They really do. They make the comeback stories. Mm -hmm. Um, who are some other people that you've interviewed that you're just impressed with? So Scott Mitchell was an interesting one. That one just came to mind. So he's an athlete, um, quarterback, played at the U and then in the NFL. And uh, he had been through a lot of things. His parents had gotten a divorce. That's still He's still working through those feelings in some ways. He also has been divorced. And, uh, and then after his NFL career, he gained a lot of weight. Super embarrassed about that because here he's this professional athlete. You know, he had had access to all the trainers, all the nutrition, and had gained weight. He went on Biggest Loser, which Mm. was a big thing for him to do. It was humbling to go in front of the world, take off his shirt, and stand on a scale. Someone who was at the height of physical fitness recently. But then lost a bunch of weight on Biggest Loser. And when so when we did the cover story on him, he had redone all his health. We had breakfast together. That's one of the things we did. We went on a hike together, and he fixed me breakfast. That was part of the interview. And he processed all of it with me and just how it was to go from being like the the person the kids had jerseys of on their walls and were wearing around to being the fat guy, you know, who couldn't yeah. get control of things. But what he'd learned from it, you know, and how he had learned where he really found happiness and who he really was. That was actually one of my all-time favorite interviews because he laid it all out on the table, laid it all out there. He wasn't trying to impress anyone. He's just like, here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm learning. It's fascinating to me. I just loved that. You're, you're um, almost part like psychologist a lot of times. Like you're, you're, cause you're having to tease out like almost like the dark yes. areas where people sometimes hide right. some of their pain. That's really right? true. As, as you're talking, I'm like thinking back on my, like some of the things like that mm. I've experienced in my mm-hmm. life. And, you know, I just told you recently, one of the companies I started, you know, had a great exit and I'm, I'm excited, but I'm also like, wow, well, what does that mean? You know, like, right. And there's there's kind of reconciling going on there, but you're mm-hmm. you're part psychologist as well. There is a little bit of that because what I'll say is what I hear you saying is this, and sometimes I, <laughs> yeah, actually, a couple of the questions I often ask people. So I like to ask, what's something that's turned out better than you thought it would in your life? Mm. And sometimes that elicits silence for a minute and emotion, 
and then they'll tell me a story. And that's pretty cool. And then I often ask what people are afraid of. What are their fears? And I don't always include that in the article, but it tells me a little bit about who they are. You know, if they're afraid of poverty, if they're afraid of disappointing their parents who have passed on, you know, whatever it is that is really resonating in their mind, sometimes it's motivating, sometimes it holds them back, to be yeah. honest. Our fears can do either for us. They can they can propel us forward so that we don't have to to deal with that fear. You know, if we're afraid of of cancer, for example, we're going to hopefully make healthier choices. But sometimes if you're afraid of failure, it might stop you from starting. Yeah. That's not good. You, know, you can't let your fears rule you. You can learn from them, though, and um, take whatever fuel they'll give you. But then you gotta you got to look forward. you got to have a vision for your life. Lindsay Sterling's on our current cover of Utah Valley Magazine. She's phenomenal. Oh, she's phenomenal. She's incredibly talented. And she created a genre that did not exist. Yeah. It's not like she... she pioneered it. She, it's, absolutely. It's crazy. And she had a, a vision for her life. And that's what I walked away from that thinking. Okay, she had a vision for her life and she has just methodically moved forward one step at a time and not changed and not had people say, no, Gone you really the, should go back to classical. No, she knew what she wanted to do. The beat of her own drum. Absolutely. Because like, I'm sure a lot of people were like, eh, that's that's an unsafe bet. Uh-huh. But it's a little she was, weird. Yeah. yeah. But she has she has just totally done a great job with that and, and uh, moved forward on the vision. And so I came away from that interview and even though I've had a vision for my life I came away from Lindsay Sterling thinking I need to look at the vision for my life again like what's my next decade I need a few more new dreams to think about what what more can I do with my business what more can I do with me personally you know what can I do with my health what can I do with my home you know all these things yeah. there's room for improvement and so it's fun to be around people with vision like that so I've got a I've I've got one question that I really I ask everybody and we you kind of talked about this cuz you you're probably one of the more disciplined and, and visionary people that I've met. Mm, thank you. But what made you think that you could do all of this? And when you started out, did you see it as as being this huge thing? Or was it like, I just need to be, figure out how to get some copies of my magazine in somebody's hands? Yes, like, that's such a great question. You know, when I first started, I did not see, we do, we do a number of magazines. I didn't see that. I saw Utah Valley Magazine. I saw one title. And I thought I could do that. What made me think I could? I'm a hard worker. You know, I grew up in Idaho. My dad was a school teacher, but we grew up among farm kids. And I just noticed I had the work ethic. I had this just thing in me where I was like, I'm going to figure this out. I have that still. I have this little thing in my head. I can figure this out about really anything. <laughs> it's, it's not always true. I can't always figure it out, but I think I can. But the mentality is there. The mentality is there. I think I can figure it out. And when we started, I just thought, I know I can figure this out. I know how to tell good stories. At the time, I thought, you know, if we can make, I had, I had some numbers in my mind, you know, we don't even have to make that much. We could just, if we do this much, you know, I can, we can live on that. And I was 25. We were used to being poor college students. I did have two kids when we, when we started. So, you know, of course they have their needs and things. But yeah. I just was, was sure it was going to work. I just thought I'm meant to be a storyteller. What I didn't know, I didn't know all the business things about it. I didn't know exactly how that would work. I didn't know uh, that people don't always pay their bills. Like, I'm going to pay my bills, yeah. but not everyone's going to pay their bills to me. To you. I didn't and know that. And that puts you in a tight spot. It does. So it the, yeah. takes the focus away from storytelling. Right. So the first year, I had a calculator in my head every day. I was figuring out, okay, I need this much money to come in so I can pay the postage. You know, yeah. I was always figuring out the math because I didn't take out a loan or anything. We sold our home to print the first issue. I love that. Um, I love seeing... 
entrepreneurs take the big risks. Yes, like it, that's a big risk. It was a big risk. We had a little starter home and we had done a lot of the building on it. We had laid the brick. We had painted it. Blood, sweat and tears. Blood, sweat and tears. We were young. We were excited. My dad had helped us too. And so we had some equity and we sold that home. That's how we printed the first issue. We moved into an apartment. And well, we got, we got everything figured out. And once we got back on our feet, we got another house um, that I still live in 18 years later. So that, that, not, that second house that we bought. So I was just sure, I was willing to make any sacrifice of time, of selling that house, of going on very little, which we did. I remember the first little splurge, you know, a few months in, I bought my son a, a cassette tape of dinosaur stories. <laughs> He was little and he loved dinosaurs. That was the first thing I bought where I was like, I don't need this to survive. Isn't that funny that that's, <laughs> that's one of the things you remember? Cause you've, since then you've probably bought several things and like you've mm -hmm. done extremely well, but like that one little thing right. is, is ingrained in your, in your memory forever mm -hmm. because right. of all the sacrifice that yep. almost like everything was for that. Yes. Right? Isn't that strange? That little, I bought little Nathan, my little son, a dinosaur cassette and I was on cloud nine that I could buy this thing we didn't actually need. <laughs> I haven't thought about that for a while, but that was a moment, you know, that was a moment of feeling like, okay, hey, we're on track. That's cool. You know, yeah. So it's been a wonderful journey. I love being an entrepreneur. I think it's great for women and uh, it's been a great path for me. And I've loved getting to know other women entrepreneurs and just sharing each other's success. Sometimes women, sometimes we have this stereotype that we're, we're not happy for each other, that we're competitive with each other. Sometimes that's true. I wish it wasn't true, but sometimes it's true. But women can support each other, and I love to do that for other women, and I love it when, when they do that for me too. Well, we have a lot of listeners who are women, and mm -hmm. if it's okay, I'd love to have them be able to follow you on Instagram. What, where could they find you on Instagram? Okay, so Jeanette W. Bennett on Instagram. Okay. On Facebook, I'm Jeanette Waite Bennett. That's my maiden name, and I'm on Twitter too as UV Mag Lady on Twitter. UV Mag Lady. Mm -hmm. So... For those of you listening, follow Jeanette. She's a total inspiration. She she's come onto our our show, and you've definitely enhanced it. Like you you ran this show. I appreciate that. <laughs> you, it, no question. Did your job? Yeah, you actually had me thinking <laughs> no. about things and like how can I do? I need to have a clear vision. I think we have a pretty clear vision here. You're doing awesome. But like, yeah, I'm, I'm like dedicated to to giving more to it. So I appreciate you coming on. Oh, I'd love to have you, you on again. Let's do it. Um, Anybody that uh, has any questions, let us know. You can find us on iTunes, on Google Play, Shake the Earth Podcast. Thank you again, Jeanette Bennett. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. 